Wow. I mean, wow, I don't know if you saw it. It was incredible. I, I could hardly believe it when I first heard it. And then when I saw it, I was so super excited. I want you to see it also. Watch, watch this. <laughs> that is exciting, but that's not it. Hold on to your excitement. It is, it is, it is, it is great when you see it. This, this was amazing, amazing. Technology. We had it working before the service. There we go. There we go.
Wasn't that awesome stuff? I, I tell you, I tell you, no matter how enthused and excited I am about that, I, I still get excited when I see it. If my wife Sharon was here, though, she would not care less. <laughs> see, and, and some people, some people just will not be persuaded that watching that was or is worthwhile. And we've all been there, maybe as a teen, remember trying to persuade your parents, or maybe as a husband, trying to persuade your wife, no matter what we try, no matter what you say, you just can't get through to some people, just can't make them see things your way. Now, Moses and Israel, in Numbers chapter 20, they are in that position. Turn there to Numbers chapter 20, please. We're going to pick up in verse 14. And here's the scene. Now, the people known as Israel had left Egypt. They had been in Egypt and had been rescued by God from slavery, and they were traveling to the land God promised to give them. They, they were on the border of the territory belonging to the Edomites. They just wanted to pass through, but they just couldn't persuade the Edomites to let them. Let's pick up the story in Exodus, Numbers chapter 20, verse 14. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Stop there. You know that saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know? That sort of means to succeed and make progress in life. It's more dependent on your connections and your friendships. Now, to get permission to travel through Edom, there is no one better to connect to than the king. If you go to a lesser person, they'd have to go to get permission from the king anyway. I, uh, one of the churches I serve, um, I'm, I'm there uh, uh, serving as an evangelist. For all these churches I serve, I'm not on the leadership team. I, I don't even attend the church services um, um, very often. And I have very little power and authority uh, for the church. Uh, but I was there, you know, helping this church do a coffee morning, and a lady came in. And uh, she wasn't really interested at all in talking about Christianity or the Bible or Jesus, but she was very interested in hiring a room in the church. Uh, for a, a local event. And I said, yeah, th there's plenty of rooms here, plenty of space. Surely you can, yeah, you can have a room. And uh, we go into the coffee morning, and I introduce her to someone who does have power in the church, and they looked at her and said, no, we don't hire rooms here. <laughs> you see, you go to someone with lesser power and lesser authority, and you might get very disappointed. Moses has connected to the right person in power. But sometimes, even if you're in conversation with the right person, they simply cannot be persuaded. Bob Dylan penned a hit song titled, uh, The Times They Are Changing. And he was right. The times are changing. But people, human nature, the sin nature, has remained exactly the same since that fateful day in the garden when Eve chewed on the fruit. The reality of life today, just as in Moses' time, and even before Moses, is that some people just cannot be persuaded. Well, what was the message Moses sent to the king of Edom? Let's pick up the story again in verse 14. This is what your brother Israel says. You know all about the hardships that have, that have come on us. Our ancestors went down to Egypt where we lived many years. The Egyptians mistreated us and our ancestors, but when we cried out to the Lord, he heard our cry and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. You can proclaim God, and some people, right, Steve, they just will not be persuaded. Now, Moses referred to God's miraculous 
powerful rescue of Israel from Egypt, Genesis chapter 46, 26 tells us there were 66 people from the family of Jacob, whom God had renamed Israel, plus some wives who went to live in Egypt to escape a terrible famine. And they settled there and they greatly increased in number. And they increased so much that the Egyptians grew to fear them, thinking these Israelites may become powerful enough to overtake us in our own country. And, and so the king of Egypt enslaved the Israelites and oppressed the Israelites to try to break their spirit and forced them to give up any illusions of power. And that's why Moses says here, the Egyptians mistreated us and our ancestors. But when we cried out to the Lord, he heard our cry and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. It was a terrific rescue, if you remember. The Israelites, remember, you have to remember the Israelites were totally powerless to rescue themselves. It's a picture of our salvation. And they cried out to God, and it was God who displayed his might and his power and brought Israel out. He saved them alone. Again, a picture of our salvation. Remember how he passed them through the Red Sea? I mean, a wall of water on both sides, and the Israelites cross safely through the sea, and then God brings the water back over the pursuing Egyptian army. It was the power and the might and the glory of God alone that rescued the Israelites. And so what Moses is really saying is he's just recalling to the Edomites, look, God rescued us. That's because we, the Israelites, are God's possession. And we are here at your border at the direction of this mighty God. And the Edomites said in return, we aren't interested in your God. Uh, the people who had experienced that mighty rescue were there in living color telling the tale. But that still did not persuade the Edomites. Some people would not be persuaded even by the glory of the living God. Notice the word brother there in verse 14. You see, the Edomites had descended from Esau, who was the twin brother of Jacob, whom God had renamed Israel. And those were the ones, the Israelites, the family of Jacob, remember, had retreated down to Egypt 400 years previously. So the Israelites and Edomites were mere relatives. Moses reminded them of, of, of that family connection. But, but sometimes, sometimes even family cannot be persuaded. My family and I spent almost the entire summer in Texas with my family. And every time we go, it is not just relaxation and just great to see family and friends. It is a witness because no one else in my immediate family are born-again Christians. And so one of the people we were really interested in, my, my son Caleb, my daughter Grace, were really excited about seeing um, uh, my niece, Kiara. And uh, Kiara is anti-God. And, uh, but one night I had a very good conversation with her, and I invited her to join into the Christianity Explored course we were going to do with my mom and dad. And she agreed, and I rejoiced and gave her a hug and said, yes, but when the time came, the anti-God sentiment set in, and she refused to join in. My dad goes through the course, and he's asking questions. We always have heated discussions, debate, and an interesting conversation. And, and one night, my dad questioned us about our view on homosexuality. And we told him. And he said, well, how do I know what you're saying is true when I hear other pastors say the same thing? We said, well, Dad, it's, it's you go to the word of God. God's, God's word tells you what's right and what's wrong. He said, basically, he said, well, this, this book, the Bible, is written by man. 
and so it could be it could have error. And besides, it just depends on how you interpret it. We tried to persuade him otherwise, but sometimes even family cannot be persuaded. Well, if family ties for the glory of God does not persuade people, perhaps if we use logic, reason, make promises, show respect, that will help to persuade them. Well, that's what Moses does next. Look at verses 16, the rest of verse 16 and on through verse 17. Now we are here at Kadesh, a town on the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your country. We will not go through any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. We will travel along the king's highway and not turn to the right or the left until we have passed through your territory. Let's pause there. Let's just review what was going on here. You see, it, it, it's logical for the Edomites to let the Israelites through. I mean, using the king's highway is the shortest route to their destination. It's reasonable. I mean, it's not like the Israelites are going to settle there and mess up their immigration quota. <laughs> they were just going to pass through. It's not like they were going to settle there and take all the jobs of the Edomites. No, they were going to pass right through. The promise was, look, you, you won't even know we've been after we've left. We're going to be as quick as we can. We won't go through any of your fields, your vineyards. We won't drink any of your wine or water. We won't enter any field to eat any of your food. And, and we respect you. We respect the fact that this is your land. Even though we've been led here by God Almighty, we respect the truth that it's your ownership of this land. Please grant us your permission to travel through. Sometimes you wonder what you must do to please people to get them on your side. Because even with all due respect, the Edomites are not persuaded. Look at their words in verse 18. But Edom answered, you may not pass through here. If you try, we will march out and attack you with the sword. Verse 19, the Israelites replied, we would go along the main road, and if we or our livestock drink any of your water, we will pay for it. We only want to pass through and foot nothing else. And so you plead humbly, humbly because they have proven their power. You must go through them to get what you desire. You ask again, and, and you make clear your intentions. Moses says, we only want to pass through on foot. And if we or our livestock drink any of your water, we will pay for it. You address their concerns while emphasizing your intention. Look, if we do use any of your resources, which is not our intent, but if we do, we will pay for it. You will not be at loss for anything. We will put right anything you consider out of order. You plead humbly and honestly. Moses says, Nothing else. We're not going to do anything else. We have come for one purpose only, to pass through. He says, we have come in peace. We're not going to fight you for your territory. We're not going to arm ourselves and take up the challenge. We are on our way to the land God promised us to settle in. God will allow you to keep every inch of your territory. God is giving none of your land to us. And that is actually a very powerful promise Moses is making to the Edomites. Because remember, God has displayed his power in full view of everybody in the land of Israel. I mean, in the land of Egypt. Israel knew 
the Edomites knew if God desired for Israel to have Edom, God could easily take it for them. But Moses says that's not the plan of God, and that's not our intention. But Edom's response to a people who have the very power of God on their side is, verse 20, again, they, the Edomites, answered, you may not pass through. Then Edom came out against them with a large and powerful army, and verse 21, since Edom refused to let them go through their territory, Israel turned away from them. So the question is why? Why did Edom respond to God and to God's chosen people in this way? Why did Edom respond to their family in this way? Well, it's a matter of the heart. Edom's heart was hard. Edom did not open their heart to allow God's love, God's plan, God's purposes and will to take root in their heart. Now, such a condition, if left unchecked and unchanged, leads to death. Some of you may have heard of the heart condition called angina. Angina is a heart condition that is usually not life-threatening, but it can lead to life-threatening conditions. The main symptom of angina is chest pain. The main cause of angina, the main cause of angina is usually a buildup of fatty substances in the arteries leading to the heart, which restrict blood flow to the heart. Now, if you make healthy lifestyle changes, such as healthy eating and, and losing weight and regular exercise, chances are you can live a long, healthy life in regards to the angina. However, not making healthy lifestyle changes can, over time, increase the chance that the angina can develop into something more serious and life-threatening. Let's consider at this point, in Numbers chapter 20, the Edomites' heart problem is angina, and yet they are not willing to make lifestyle changes. Let's go back and look at their medical history, the history of their heart, starting at the beginning of their life. We'll pass through Numbers 20 here, and they were going to peer into their future and see how their heart and their country fared. Well, the medical history of the Edomites begins in Genesis chapter 25. Remember Rebecca? She's pregnant with twins. And remember, they're, they're jostling in her womb. And God tells her there are two nations in your womb. Now, Esau is born first, and so he has the rights of the firstborn. Now, his brother Jacob, oh, he's a devious plotter. And he tricks Esau, remember, out of his birthright and later out of his blessing as the firstborn. Esau, the Bible tells us, is so angry, he's prepared to kill Jacob, and Jacob has to flee. So the enmity between Israel and Edom has begun. Edom's heart problem has begun. The Bible tells us that Esau and Jacob don't see each other for 20 years. And then Jacob and Esau have that, that uneasy encounter. It's peaceable enough, but are matters truly resolved? Is Esau's heart truly softened? Jacob and Esau separate again. And here, from Numbers 20, it's apparent that heart rot has further set in. In 2 Samuel chapter 8, God's prophecy that the older would serve the younger becomes clear. 
So what happens in 2 Samuel 8 is Edom is described as one of the many nations subdued by King David. The older serving the younger. In fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14, it is recorded all the Edomites became subject to David. When you become subjugated, that's humiliation, isn't it? That's jealousy, it's anger, and you start thinking of revenge. And that's what begins to play on Edom's heart. And then it comes out in full during the destruction of Judea and Jerusalem. Edom actively cooperates in bringing destruction upon their relatives in Jerusalem. In fact, I want you to see that. Turn to Psalm 137. Keep your finger in Numbers 20. Middle of your Bible, Psalm 137. Looking at the medical history of Edom, their heart condition, how it gets worse and worse and worse as they grow older. Psalm 137, verse 7. Psalm 137, verse 7, we find these terrible words. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. So from a little, minor heart murmur through the angina in Numbers 20 to this point of an unchanged lifestyle, the result will be a fatal heart attack. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 35. Ezekiel chapter 35. If you have time, I encourage you to read this entire chapter. It's very short when you get home tonight. Ezekiel chapter 35, it outlines Edom's hard heart and the consequences of a hard heart. And we'll see in Ezekiel 35, in response to the hardness of Edom's heart, God will stretch out his anger against them. A hard heart, remaining hard, leads to death. Now, in these verses we're about to read, Ezekiel 35, 1 through 5, I think it's going to be, Mount Seir, Mount Seir refers to Edom. And here are, this is what God records in Ezekiel 35. It's a prophecy prophesied by Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel says, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir. Prophesy against it and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Mount Seir. I will stretch out my hand against you and make you a desolate waste. Verse 4, I will turn your towns into ruins and you will be desolate. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 5, this is why it happened. Because you harbored an ancient hostility and delivered the Israelites over to the sword at the time of their calamity. Edom was punished by God because they harbored an ancient hostility. The hard heart we read about in Numbers chapter 20 never softened. And the sad reality is this. They thought they were helping get revenge against Israel, but in reality, they were going against God. And that's why in Ezekiel 35, 13, God says through Ezekiel to the Edomites, you boasted against me and spoke against me without restraint, and I heard it. And so at the end of verse 4, we find these words. 
God says to Ezekiel to Edom, after this judgment comes, then you will know that I am the Lord. You see, folks, God will be known. God's will will be done. God's glory will be given. And this is actually a good summation of life, isn't it? To know that he is Lord. And it's a hard heart that prevents such knowledge. Now, the Bible makes clear that everyone's heart is capable of angina or worse. Now, a healthy diet, rest, exercise, these help the physical heart to cope. But how do we keep our spiritual hearts healthy and soft and in the knowledge that he is the Lord? Well, to conclude, let's, let's change tact and step into the shoes of the Edomites. We have angina in Numbers 20, and Moses comes to us. Now, God will constantly present his glory to us. He says the heavens declare his glory. He has revealed Jesus to us, who is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. In Ephesians, God informs us that he has revealed his glory in the church. You see God's purpose. You see God's plan. You see his salvation. He's called out of sin, people out of sin into one family, people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he gifts the church and sends the church all over the world to serve. You spend a week at Minidu Camp and you see through the volunteers the glory of God in their service. You go on the, uh, the doors with Justin and Vic, you see uh, the glory and the power of God. Uh, you go serve at the, at the um, not the boot camp, what is it, car boot, at the car boot. And, uh, and you see the, the joy of the Lord as, as people come to you and you converse with them and, and the joy of the Lord comes. You see God's glory in the church. And God will send people who testify to his grace. Also, God is a God of order. So through scientific discovery, we, 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 we discover more of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. We know that God is a promise-keeping God. And, and, and he, he, he delivers those promises to us and he reasons with us so that we keep um, in, in, in step with him. And, and God humbles himself so that we may understand him. And Jesus, right now, in his priestly compassion, is constantly pleading our case before God the Father. So God comes to us just as Moses went to the Edomites. How can we ensure we respond with soft hearts? Well, Edom, remember, looked back in Numbers 20. They looked back and they thought, wait a minute, you know, we've been wronged our whole life by these people. You know, it's the oldest that should be ruling. And because they had that attitude throughout their life, they used every opportunity to exercise that desire they had to rule. We shouldn't do as the Edomites did. We need to keep our hearts soft. When we look back, what we need to see is that we need to be ruled. We need to look back and see that we are incapable of ruling ourselves. We must desire the glorious rule and reign of Jesus in our hearts. We are sinners in desperate need, not kings who have been dethroned. We keep our hearts soft by, by reading God's word. Saturating our souls in God's word is the most excellent line of defense against hardness of heart. And read the Bible in increasing amounts. Have you ever read the entire Bible in one year? You do about three chapters a day and you'll get there. 
and memorize God's word, that's a good line of defense against hardness of heart. It keeps you from sin. And keep coming to church to hear God's word proclaimed and explained. Another way to keep your heart soft is to be thankful. You know, being thankful reminds you that there is a sovereign God who's in charge of everything, and he loves you, and you'll be reminded of all the care he's given for you as you thank him. He's a giving God. It will remind you as you thank him that you are totally dependent upon him, and he is totally faithful. And serve God. You know, nothing humiliates you more than serving God. And we need that humiliation. We need that humbleness because we are weak, but God is all-powerful. Nothing gets you praying like serving sinners. And so the opportunities you have to serve, serving here uh, with young people, Minidu Camp, uh, going out on the doors, uh, going on the car boot, uh, joining in with um, um, Open the Book. Um, You serve sinners and you will be rejected. And that rejection will hurt, but it will drive you to your knees in prayer to God. As you witness the hardness of their heart, you will be persuaded that you are not able to persuade them to believe in Jesus. That will drive you to the mercy seat of God in prayer. It will keep you dependent on God. It will keep your heart soft towards God. And finally, one last way to keep your heart soft, love the church. Love freely, without expecting anything in return, and God will fill your heart with love, and that will be enough. Encourage one another, and you will be encouraged. Hang out with the church, and you'll be inspired. You will see up close, face-to-face, sinners full of joy and peace and the wisdom of God, and, and people who actually look forward to death because it only gets better, eternally better, and all that will do your heart good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this short story of uh, Moses' encounter with the uh, king of Edom and uh, what we can learn from it. Father, help us to take it to heart, literally, spiritually. Amen.